0: Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today, and thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio. We have another great show for you. Saratoga Springs native and former LPGA golfer, Dottie Pepper, talks about her promotion on CUS Sports' PGA coverage. And I have a conversation with the Associated Press' sports writer, John Warrow, about the Buffalo Bills. For the second time this season, Siena men's basketball player Jalen Pickett violated a team rule. Only this time, instead of not starting like he did against American in the season opener, he was benched for last Saturday's game against Colgate. Jalen Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly was at Siena's media's availability on Wednesday. And what was said about the situation, Mike?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, just to start, um, the plan is that uh, Pickett will be back in the starting lineup for Saturday when the team goes to Cal Poly. Um, you know, and they're kind of back to normal in that sense, um, kind of similar to the, the, the first time that you referenced with American, um, the, the infraction was that, uh, Pickett was late to like a team function. I think the first time it was a weightlifting, uh, like a weightlifting session with the team this time, it sounded like it was more like a, like a team function, um, that wasn't related to practice, but he was late again. Um, so this time, you know, he, he missed a game against, uh, against Colgate, and, you know, kind of the thing that uh, Coach Mazzarello, Carmen was saying, um, you know, was that, you know, he, he kind of was to get maybe some pressure, you know, outside pressures have started to, you know, kind of started to get to Jalen with, you know, kind of everything with, you know, the, the NBA talk, the, you know, the, the preseason player of the year in the Mac. Um, you know, and he used, uh, I think, uh, in a radio interview recently, he used the term kind of, you know, that they need to recalibrate Jalen. Uh, um, you know, so I think, you know, today, you know, both Nassarello, Pickett, you know, on the same page, you know, moving forward. That's what they want to do. And, uh,
0: you know, we'll, we'll see if they can do it. <laughs> I mean, I was, in my next question is, why do you think this is happening? It just It just seems odd to me, but you mentioned maybe the pressure might be just amounting to much to the point where maybe uh, he's – you know, forgetting some things and just, uh, you know, losing track of where he's at. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think
1: uh, one of the more endearing things that was said today was, uh, was from Ticket that, you know, he, his infractions have been kind of like normal college stuff where, you know, he, he overslept, he missed things. Um, but he, you know, there's consequences for that when you're, you know, on a division one men's basketball team, um, you know, so you know, coach Matharell, I mean, he said it's growing pains with, you know, maybe dealing with kind of the star turn that he had last year. Um, you know, Pickett seems to think it's more, you know, just kind of, you know, that he needed, you know, he said today, you know, he's got to grow as an individual, has to be more mature. Um, you know, maybe it's a combination of those things. Um. But, you know, it is a, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's alarming, but it's disappointing that it's happened twice in six games. Um, you know, that's 33% of the season to this point. You know, in those games, there's been some type of, you know, punishment for CNN's best player. Um, you know, I think it was up front today that, you know, there's, you know, they're, they're two and four and that, you know, he's been somewhat of a distraction to, to this
0: point. Uh, That goes to my next point. I mean, the Saints are going on a three-game, or are on a three-game losing streak right now, and they're heading to uh, San Luis Luis Obispo, California, to uh, play Cal Poly on Saturday night, and they really don't need a distraction like this heading out west. Yeah,
1: and Cal Poly is a game that they should definitely win, too. I mean, so that's, you know, so this is a chance for them to, you know, kind of be away from New York away from, you know, kind of some of their normal, you know, media spotlight here in the Capital Region, go get a win, and then they got a couple weeks off before their next game where they can, you know, take some final exams, do some fine-tuning, you know, kind of, again, um, you know, get away from things for a little bit and, you know, kind of get themselves ready for, for MAC play, which is almost here. Uh, but this weekend, I think, is really crucial for them. Um, you, know, you mentioned the losing streak they're on. None of those losses are, you know, particularly bad losses. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to have, you know, if you have a four-game losing streak going into two weeks off, um, you know, that's that's obviously not what you want. Uh, to quote Joe Girardi, um, so you know, this is a game to get back on track for them as they, uh, you know, start to head really towards January and leave putt.
0: Well, thank you for quoting the Phillies' new Phillies manager. <laughs> you know,
1: as, as, I, as I did it, I realized that I had to acknowledge it. Uh, that I couldn't. I didn't want to plagiarize the uh, the great Joe Girard.
0: <laughs> but this, this game at Cal Poly it seems like an an oddball game, only because you're taking You're a trip out west. You're only going to play one game and come back. It seems like they maybe should have scheduled a second game out there. Yeah, you know, and that's something that, I mean, I mean, people, uh, you know, Cal Poly came here
1: last year, and then kind of the expectation was when Siena went to Cal Poly this year um, that there probably would be a second game. And, uh, you know, we asked Massarello that today. Um, you know, he, and he said that they could have played UCLA, um, but that his he wanted to play the home game against Americans to start a series with them rather than doing a one-off guarantee game. Um You know, which you know, some people thought that they you know, that UCLA was a logical, you know, team for them to play if they did go out there. Um, so it seems like maybe that was an option, um, but that they wanted to play the game at home instead of uh, of going there.
0: Well let's look ahead to Saturday when the women's Albany Cup takes place between U Albany and and Siena at at Siena. This is games taking place a year after a year hiatus. But for the second straight year, the men are not playing each other. Uh, you wrote a story early this week uh, about both schools' athletic directors planning to speak to each other about renewing their rivalry. Why do we have a stalemate? Why do we have a stalemate?
1: Well, first of all, uh, I don't know if we're even allowed to call this game this weekend the Albany Cup that oh. features the women's teams. I think we're rebranding okay. the uh, as the crosstown showdown. But I've I, uh, I've heard that the Albany Cup, though, will be awarded at the end of the game. So, so you know, there, there's, uh, there's just weirdness uh, when it comes to these two schools and, and playing basketball games. Um, I mean, the stalemate you know, it remains what it's been, you know, for really at this point, you know, probably like three years. You know, pretty much as soon as Siena went to SESCU for that first time, um, you know, they pretty much made it clear that they didn't want to go back. Um, you know, and their their stance, you know, has always been, let's play it at you know the downtown arena, the town Union Center. That's where most people can see the game. Oh, stands, you Albany stance you know, no, we want to play the game in our home arena every other year. um You know, it's it just, you know, you can debate kind of the merits of each argument. I think I think both sides do have a point. I think uh, a lot of people like to know, kind of view this through, you know, whatever side they're a fan of is right. Um, I think both have a point, but the the issue now has become that their points uh, are directly at odds with each other, which makes it difficult to see, you know, how these two teams play again anytime soon.
0: It would seem to me, and I look at the um, the Mayor's Cup between Union and RPI, of course they play league games, and they play this, you know, the neutral side game at the Times Union Center. Where, yeah, you know, both teams, part of both teams' season ticket plans. Why can't it be like that for the uh, basketball where, you know, you, you know, maybe one year Siena's a home team, one year Albany's a home team. Why can't it – it seems like a simple solution. Uh, just to clarify, in that
1: solution, the games are all at the
0: Times Union Center. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm, uh, I'm pretty uh, full into the weeds on this topic. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think um, – I think Siena – The most recent deal they had was, you know, the the three-year deal where they played one at each arena as a home game, and then the third game was at the Times Union Center as kind of like a split crowd. Um, I know that in those negotiations over the years, um, you know, it's been brought up that they could play all the games at the Times Union Center and they could figure out something with ticketing that it's not, you know, quote-unquote, you know, a Siena home crowd. Um, I think at this point, uh, or at least up to this point, um, you know that hasn't been good enough for these side of things, which is that they want to have a true game, a true home game, you know, in their arena with you know their home fans, um, you know, the same as what Sienna had for you know 16 of the first 17 times that they played. Um, I forget, to be honest, the original question that started this long train of thought I've had. Um, but <laughs> but I, I think I think just uh, the idea you all need stance just is so that the game can't continue always being played at time you
0: well, I hope I think the fans want it to get, get done. Let's hope the uh, yeah, cooler heads heads for Val and the athletic directors get together and um, somehow make this work. Yeah, I mean I think I think that's uh, you know outside I think that's everybody's hope.
1: I think it's just really difficult to see how it does work out unless one side is going to, you know, kind of cave into the other um, because, you know, there's uh, they're so clearly opposed at this point that that's what's going to take
0: to have a game. Well, Mike, uh, appreciate coming on and talking about the Jalen Pickett situation and the uh, situation between you, uh, Albany, and Siena, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. Thank All right. you. thanks. That's Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly coming up. I'll talk to Saratoga Springs native Dottie Pepper on her promotion to CBS Sports coverage on the PGA. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
2: Hi, this is Hunter Moffat, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes. Notable trophy case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app and the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Get it today.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. Saratoga Springs native Dottie Pepper played on the LPGA Tour for 17 years and won 17 titles. She retired from the tour in 2004 and began a career in broadcasting as a golf analyst. On Tuesday, CBS Sports announced that Dottie would be its lead on-course reporter when it begins its PGA Tour coverage in late January. Here is my conversation with Dottie Pepper. Donnie, thanks for coming on the Parting Shots podcast and uh, congratulations on the news Tuesday that you're going to be the lead uh, golf, uh, lead uh, on-course reporter for CBS Sports.
3: Thanks very much. It's um it's it's an exciting time for our team. There's been a lot of changes and uh, I'm pretty fired of about this happening.
0: I mean, we, I mean, you've done some on-course reporting before. What what is it like? I mean, is it is, a, is it a lot of work to let people know what it's it's not not really an easy job.
3: Uh, I, I think it's it's one where you expect expect hits from from sort of coming all directions. It, it's a, a bit like a video game, I suppose, uh, where you really don't know where the next action's coming from. Whether that's the timing, whether it's another group you're going to cover, whether it's getting into a rules situation, doing an interview, whatever. It's, there's a, there's a, a lot of layers to it, but uh, I'm very excited about this opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh was there a difference I mean you've done that golf, uh, on TV now for a number of years I mean explain the difference between being on the course as opposed to being uh, in a booth on, on one of the holes
3: well I mean, I mean you're, you're kind of responsible for sharing everything that they can't be able to share uh, from the other perspectives um, what they don't know what happens when we're in commercial when 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 the weather has changed, when there's been a conversation between player and caddy that's not audible, it, it's really sort of filling in the blanks of information that, that the viewers wouldn't otherwise be able to know without having you on the ground.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you stepped away back in 2012. It seems I mean, it seemed like yesterday. So 2012, you you stepped away from broadcasting, but then you got back into it. What what led you to get back into broadcasting? Did you miss it that much?
3: Well, when I got back into broadcasting, ESPN had had, had kind of the perfect schedule uh, for for what I was trying to do. I, I was serving on the PGA's board at, at the same time, and they they had major championship golf, and that was really about all they had. And it was a it was a great fit, so that that drew me back in. But uh, that landscape changed when NBC was uh, awarded the Open Championship package back at the. Uh, yeah, toward the end of '15, and I was allowed to sort of explore options, and and CBS approached me. But but I, I do love my job. Um, you know, the travel is probably overrated, but the job isn't.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking outside right now. It's uh, outside our you know, my, my home here, and all the snow out there. And I'm thinking, you know, um, the press release comes out today about the uh, your promotion. Uh, I think it's time to play some golf.
3: I'm thinking it's time to go skiing. Frankly, <laughs> I'm going to take advantage of this this great snow. We don't always have this early in the season. I, I plan on getting a few days in before Christmas even comes, and then we'll then we'll do the complete
0: shift to golf.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean PGA. I mean Tiger Woods seems to be coming back a little bit. Uh, can, can he can he get to Jack Nicholas's major title uh, tie at least, or get surpass at this point, or not?
3: I think it. All of it hinges on whether he's healthy or not. And if he's healthy, I think he has a chance. Um, time seems to be not working in his favor. But if he can be healthy at the right times during the year, I, I think it's a possibility, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our one of your colleagues uh, and of course they used to work here at New Channel 13 Andrew Catalan also getting a little bit of a promotion he's going to host some uh CBS golf events he did, a, did one uh, this past uh, season uh are you happy for Andrew
1: I'm thrilled for Andrew
3: and we've become we've become good friends and, and I'm really happy that his talents being being recognized and the way he's able to really bring a lot of I don't know, it's sort of fresh energy, uh, because he's also doing basketball, he's also doing football, he's so current on what's going on, and and I, I just think it's it's an opportunity that it, it's going to be tremendous for him. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, fresh thing, I think that one of the things that you know, came out of the announcement that Peter Costas and Gary McCord weren't coming back was they thought maybe that they uh, thought the broadcast was stale I mean, was it stale or you, you know, was this maybe a good time for a change for the broadcast
3: I think it's just time for change and um, there's there's only one thing that's constant and that's change and, and, I, and I think uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear that energy when we start up again in in San Diego and and carry it right through and and I think the energy is really important. But when you look at the schedule that CBS has, because we do ten in a row starting at the Masters, and you have to have energy, and you've got to have a committed team, and you've got to be able to feed off each other and listen to each other, um, and keep each other going. And I, and I think we've got that with this with this new team.
0: You mentioned ten in a row like that. I mean, that, you t- you talk about that. Just the fact that you you're going ten straight weeks. Or you, does that get tiring after a while, or just you get to a new city? If uh, you get the energy, gets back.
3: I think you manage it. Uh, I, I mean, I'll get home most Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Uh, but you do, you manage it because you're not. You're my really only day off is Monday, uh, and that's a travel day because the information starts flowing in again on Tuesday. So I think you manage it. Uh, you understand that it's a marathon. And that there are two major championships in that stretch, and you just you're prepared for it. Uh, but there is definitely a big letdown when August comes and it's over. I mean, it all happens so fast that there's an adjustment to be made late in the season
0: too. You mentioned the two uh, majors that uh, CBS does carry: the Masters and the PGA Championship. They, last year, the PGA Championship was played earlier instead of August. Uh, was that a good move by the PGA to put that uh, the PGA Championship? where they did?
3: I think it was a great move. Uh, I, I think it, it's going to end up taking the PGA Championship to other sites uh, further south where they normally have not been able to go in the past. Uh, going to the West Coast this year for the first time in, what, a decade and a half, I, I think is going to be a fantastic move. And, and I think it really um, it spreads the season out nicely. So you have a, a big event really just about every month, and you can kind of put the schedule in in quadrants uh, where you focus your energy and there are high peaks, and players are always trying to peak for those events, and those are very, very obvious on the schedule now.
0: Well, Donnie, I hope you get some skiing in before the start of the uh, golf season for you, and uh, thank you for coming on the Party Shots podcast for a few minutes, and uh, enjoy, uh, have a happy holiday, and we'll talk in 2020. Same to you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Coming up, the Buffalo Bills are rolling. I talked to the Associated Press sports writer, John Warrow, about them. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, pro football fans. It's time again to match wits with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em football game sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play... Go to dailygazette.com football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em football game sponsored by River Sportsbook at dailygazette.com football. Back on the Party Shots podcast, The Buffalo Bills have been a great story in the NFL this season. They are 9-3 and and find themselves a game behind the New England Patriots in the AFC East. And they are coming off a very impressive 26-15 win over the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. My next guest covers the Bills for the Associated Press. And he is the man who saw me have my heart episode during the 2002 ECAC Hockey Tournament semifinals in Lake Placid. Please welcome John Warrow to the show. John, how's it going? Good, and I'm glad to know that you're still kicking and ticking after all these years. 17 years, man. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. That was kind of a little scary, but uh, we got through it. We did. Yeah. We did. We've,
4: we've we haven't even had drinks about it the
0: next year. Yes. So, sure. well, let's talk Buffalo Bills uh, football, John. I mean, you know, this yep. team uh, went 6-10 and last year, and that was coming off the year they went to the playoffs in 2017. I mean, how surprised are you with how the Bills are doing this year?
4: I'm not entirely surprised. This team, you know, uh, last year was supposed to be the, the year that they took a step back because this team, this is the way McDerm- uh, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean wanted to build this team. Um, they, 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 when they took over in 2017, they, they started the purge. By trading away Sammy Watkins, trading away uh, Ronald Darby, they, and, and trading away Marcel Darius. They were, they, it, it was a huge purge um, that, that they were getting rid of players that didn't meet their vision of building a team. They wanted to rebuild the roster from the ground up. But they couldn't get rid of all the players at, at that point, which led to them making the playoffs, which is actually a bonus Hall happened in the offseason uh, leading up to the 2018 season uh, where um, you know they traded away a lot of players or gave up on a lot of players purse big uh, heavy contracts um, to maneuver themselves in the draft to, to, to get their quarterback and that happened to be Josh Allen and then they also got their quarterback on defense and Tremade Edmonds so last year was supposed to be a step back it was um, and they a little bit ahead of schedule as to what I uh, where I think they should be, but they've gotten a lot of help from a soft early season schedule in which they beat up on a lot of pushover opponents, including the Jets, the Giants, Cincinnati, Washington, you name it. But um, they're coming into their
1: own right now.
0: But yeah, you know, obviously the win Thursday against uh, last Thursday against uh, Dallas. I mean that that to me be signals that this team is for real because we nobody I, I mean even though Dallas has been struggling. You go down there on Thanksgiving Day, and it just seems like this is, a, you know, usually it's a Dallas' victory. But I think after they weathered the, the early touchdown by the Cowboys, and they just they controlled that game. They
4: did, and we we, we, we started seeing signs of this after their just dreadful loss at Cleveland, where they were putting up a whole bunch of yards but couldn't but couldn't score. Um, and things changed the following week, where Brian Dable actually. I'll go back. Sean McDermott actually sent a message to his team saying, "Play fearless," and I think they needed that reminder. I think they were being a little bit too tentative. Josh Allen was more concerned about um, causing turnovers after being ripped for it, you know, early in the season, um, and maybe was playing overly cautious. And the defense um, added an attacking style element to it in which they've now have 15 sacks after only having 22 in their first nine games so 15 in their past three. Um, so something woke them up and they've played three very good dominating games um, in, in, in picking up three straight wins. so you saw the signs of it three weeks ago and they really carried it over um, onto the national stage which really was their co- which which may have been their
0: coming out party. Especially, you know, that victory was so impressive that NBC decided to flex the Sealers uh, Bills game in uh, like Week 15, I believe. Uh, you know, yeah. So, so that's I mean, that shows you. I mean, the Bills are now a national national team. Well,
4: and that's it. It's like you know, uh, the Bills haven't been on a Sunday. Haven't played a Sunday night game, and and probably rightfully so, given the fact how they played the last time. It was a 56 to 10 loss to New England in 2007, and. Um, and, and, and so NBC I guess is uh, has shied away from the bills but um, this team is for and, and for a lot of reasons but this team has the makings of, uh, of being a contender I'm not sure if they're ready for it yet but I think this experience over the over the final month of the season playing primetime games playing a Saturday afternoon game at New England is going to Groom, prepare this young team for 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 years to come as to what what to expect uh, when you're in the midst of a playoff race in the in in, in in the final month of the season. So this is all good for the Bills because I think that they're, they're really
0: trending in the right direction. You mentioned the defense, John. Uh, last year they surrendered 374 points. This year they've allowed just 188. I mean, only New England and San Francisco have given up fewer. What's been the difference? I mean, is, is that the, you know, be fearless attitude?
4: Well, part of it is, is is who they played. I mean, they you know, Washington can't score. The Jets you know, they, they, they played, um, I think Eli Manning's final game was against the Bills. Um, Sam Darnold's uh, in the opener uh, was coming down with mononucleosis. So they played a Tennessee Titans team in which Mariota was benched um, for Tannehill the week uh, a week later. So the level of their opponents has some 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 impact on on how many points they've allowed. But they have been playing better, and this it's a reflection of a unit that returned ten of eleven starters.
0: You mentioned Josh Allen earlier too. I mean, he seemed to emerge emerge as a leader on this team. And has been very effective. You know, what's been the key to his improvement? He's,
3: you know,
4: I hate to use use the the, the cliche of you know him being a sponge, but he's very malleable in, in in how he takes to coaching and adapts to what his mistakes are. There is, um, he's driven because let's face it, he came out of Wyoming as an unknown, um, being critiqued about, you know, this, you know, whether it's his accuracy issues, his turnover issues, whatever issues he's had, he's he's begun to correct. And I like the fact that he's corrected them. He takes to the criticism, he accepts it, and he works to become a better player. Um, and that's why he is succeeding. He does he he, he doesn't get down on himself and he's always he's been upbeat, he's he's a guy that the players are drawn to. There's a nerdy part to him, but I think there's a likable, genuine part to him that attracts players to want to wanna follow him, and the fact that he accepts the leadership role doesn't take it, isn't the big man on campus, so to say, because he's never really been one, except for in Wyoming, that he aspires to be that quarterback that, that 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 teams need to to the the, the, the Bills have lacked especially uh, since Jim Kelly's days um, to be that to be that quarterback to be
0: that guy um, both on and off the field. Well, the Bills are facing a big test on Sunday when they uh, take on the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson a game that's going to actually be shown in the Capital Region on CBS 6. They're forsaking the uh, Jets and Miami Dolphins, so that's a good move for uh, uh, the Capital Region fans here. Jets and Dolphins. Jets and Dolphins. Oh, my gosh. John, John. John. My eagles, my eagles lost to the dolphins, so I'm not. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yes. That, that's that's true.
4: Well, sort of the bills, but uh, yes. But no, the bills lost to the eagles. Sorry, yes, they yes.
0: lost to the dolphins. So, yeah, it's a, yes. it's a six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, how do they stop Lamar Jackson? He's been incredible this year. Well, you
4: hope the weather's like uh, like it was in Baltimore last weekend where San Francisco seemed to find ways of containing that offense. Um, and I think the weather did play a factor. But um, you kind of wonder when, when teams can kind of try to figure out this Lamar Jackson off uh, the way they go at teams. Um, I'm curious to see how the Bills try it. Um, you know, they've bulldozed. They've Bull, bulldozed uh, a Belichick defense that's extremely good, um, and then also ran over you know Houston's defense, which is, which isn't bad either. Um, I'm curious to see if San Francisco may have found a formula in continue, keeping them to 20, 20 points last weekend, or if that was so much weather related. But I, I am intrigued to see you know the Bills face what will be their their. their Probably the most difficult test of the season um, in, in this game and how they respond to it because I like the way they adapted, um, and you, you put it, to, to, to they weathered the storm um, and how Dallas came out, scored those seven points, and then the Bills took over. Um, I'm curious to see the resilience of the Bills in, in, in this game when they get punched in the mouth.
0: Are the Bills ready to challenge the New England Patriots for the AFC East? Are, I, I think the question might more might
4: be: Are the New England Patriots the same team that they've been for so long? They've been doing they've been doing much they, they, they've been performing so well and, and and being successful more based on defense than than on offense, which really seems to be a pedestrian Tom Brady led unit that we've not seen in quite some time. Maybe going back to his. Earlier seasons, I'm not sure what's wrong there. Um, I, I, I well, I I do think that the offensive line holes and the amount of injuries that they've had on the offensive line is really hurting that team's ability to to that offense's ability to to function. But the Bills have under Sean McDermott have played. They've not beaten a, a, a Brady, uh, or they will not. They've not beaten New England, but they've they've managed to flummox him in which he has very much average games against the Bills. Um, so I wouldn't rule out the Bills possibly sneaking out a win against the Patriots, though it's going to be difficult because it's going to be at Gillette as opposed to being in Buffalo.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens uh, in late December with that one. Uh, John, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh,
4: if, if they really need to um, uh, It's uh, John J-O-H-N underscore And then my last name Which everybody knows is the common spelling of Warbo W-A-W-R-O-W
0: Well John I appreciate you coming on the podcast Great catching up with you And uh, let's talk again soon That sounds great Thanks for having me on Alright That's John Warro, Back to wrap up the podcast Which is available on Apple Podcasts And Spotify In just a moment
3: Hi, this is Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Once again, I'll be going head-to-head with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott with my weekly NFL picks in defending my championship. Go to dailygazette.com slash blogs and look for my picks on my Thinking It Through blog. You can find Ken's picks at dailygazette.com
0: sports. Back to wrap up the podcast, and as Sarah said, look for her NFL picks along with mine at dailygazette.com. Sarah increased her lead to two games over me after she posted a 10-6 and six record in Week 13. I was 9-7. and seven. Sarah is 124-67-1. I am 122-69-1. You can look for my blogs on NFL and college football TV coverage this week. You can find it at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. If you're a college hockey fan... Look for my weekly ECAC hockey face-off selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the face-off selections by emailing your picks to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Union Hockey beat writer Mike McGann and I are back Friday, December 6th with our College Hockey Centric Podcast. We will discuss the departures of four Sam Morton and Lucas Breaux from the Dutchman. If you have questions about Union Hockey, mike and i will answer them send your questions to shot at dailygazette.com well, that wraps up another edition of the parting shots podcast i'd like to thank my guest daily gazette sports editor mike kelly saratoga springs native Dottie pepper of cbs sports and the associated press sports writer john Warrow. the parting shots podcast is brought to you by trophy case the app created for athletes by athletes Download it today Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Parting Shots Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot at dailygazette.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Party Shots Podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers